Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about love is easy going. Love is easy going. That word easy going means this. It means even-tempered, mellow, carefree. Doesn't that sound just light and easy, carefree? We are supposed to cast our cares, right? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. I'm going to read to you the B part. The New King James Version says, Love is not provoked and thinks no evil. The complete Jewish Bible says this, Not easily angered, love is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. How about the easy-to-read version? It says it this way, Love cannot be made angry easily. And then the Message Bible says, Love doesn't fly off the handle, and it doesn't keep score of the sins of other people. Wow. So what's the opposite of being easygoing? Easily angered. Easily angered. So that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about this morning. Because anger is probably the most misunderstood, misapplied emotion that humans have. I mean, none of us are taught really how to, what to do with anger. How to use it, how to use it correctly. And yet, some anger, if it's used properly, can be good. It can turn into passion. It can turn into desire. And, and it can actually help you. But that scripture said that love doesn't get angry. It didn't, I'm sorry, it didn't say that love doesn't get angry. It said that love is not easily angered. All right? So that means it takes, it takes some pulling. It takes some doing to get that anger to come out. You guys remember Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. Right? He wrote a letter to the church of Ephesus, and he was talking about, hey guys, I want you guys to keep your heart right. You need to spiritually renew your mind. You guys need to you know, focus on all these different things. He talked about different things, and then he got to verse 26, and he said this, be angry and do not sin. Huh? So he said, be angry. So it's not a sin to be angry, but it's how you respond to that anger or how you're going to walk that anger out that could turn into sin, right? So it's important for us to learn about this. We're going to learn about this this morning. So angry means to arouse, to anger, or to be provoked. When I was a teenager, I was coming out of a movie theater in Tulsa one time, and in Tulsa we had these dollar theaters. You guys remember those? You used to be able to go to, to the movie for a dollar. Now it's $50, but back then it was a dollar. And, you know, you go and you watch this movie, and my friends and I, we were walking out after this movie, and this kid I knew from school came up behind me and literally shoved me as hard as he could. I mean, my neck, you know, threw back, and I went, I went flying forward, and I turned around only to see that it was this kind of smart aleck kid that was, well, you know, was that ty- he was just that type of personality. And he was trying to provoke something in me, you know. And so I turned around. Once I saw it was him, it was like, oh, you know. And I just turned around and kept walking. But it said, be angry 
and do not sin. So anger is not a sin, but it's what you do with it. Because sometimes anger is misappropriated by us. But there, there can be a, an appropriate response. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, do you guys remember a guy by the name of Nabal? You remember David and, and his group. He had 600 men, and this was before he became king. And so he was having to live in Ziklag. And there was this area, Carmel, and, and Nabal, he owned thousands of sheep. And he had, like I think, 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Well, David and his men made sure that nobody bothered Nabal and all of his crew, all of his employees. I mean, he took care of them and made sure that everything was good with them. They lost nothing while they were there. Well, the feast day rolled around, and so David sent word to Nabal, and he sent one of his young men, ten of his young men, actually, and, and, and instructed them what to say. And they basically asked Nabal, you know, whatever you find in your hand, could you give that so we could take it back to, to David to eat today since it's a feast day? And he said, well, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, they brought word back to David that he was not, I mean, he was not going to help him. And David was thinking, wait a minute, I, we've spent all this time ensuring that they're well protected, taken care of. They were missing nothing the whole time that we were taking care of them. He said, boys, strap on your swords. And they did. Everybody put on their swords. And David said, you know, far be it from me that there be a single man living uh, by the end of the day of Nabal's house. That sounds a little bit like anger to me. But righteous anger. And he was on his way. And you know what? Nabal had a beautiful, very smart wife named Abigail. And Abigail hurried and she got all the food together. She met David halfway and, and she intervened on Nabal's behalf. So sometimes anger used correctly, gone about it the right way, the right, you know, that you're responding instead of reacting. You know, sometimes we react. Because again, we haven't been taught sometimes what to do with anger. And sometimes we get irritated over something. And man, if you snap and you let it fly, imagine this. Imagine somebody is up here and they're holding arrows. They've got a bow and they've got all these arrows. Kind of like that guy on the Marvel movies. I don't know his name, but anyway, you remember. So he's got, you know, you've got all these arrows and you've got your bow and you're standing there. And let's say that this person gets upset because this is what the Bible says anger looks like when you fly off the handle. So that person gets upset. They take, they take the bow and the arrows and man, they just start shooting it at random. And there's this whole bunch of people out here, and all of a sudden people are getting stuck with arrows, getting hit. And, and then when this person's anger subsides, they put down the bow in the air and they go, oh, oh okay, I feel better. Well, wait a minute, how do these people feel? <laughs> you know, because he might go over and see the, an, an arrow sticking out of you and you go, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? And you're, you're sitting there going, oh, well, no, I'm not okay. You know, you guys remember the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but Words will never hurt me. I don't think there's ever been a bigger lie. Because people carry words. I've seen people carry words all the, all the way to their grave. Refuse to let it go. Refuse to forgive and release the words that were spoken to them. Man, that's not us, though. 
But here's, here's the good news. Anger is a capacity that God gave us. He did. But what's important is how we express it. I don't know if you guys ever heard this story before, but Abraham Lincoln, he had a secretary of war. His name was uh, Stanton. Last name was Stanton. And this guy got upset one time because this army officer told him, he, he told him, he said, you're showing favoritism. And so it made him mad. So he went to Abraham Lincoln and told him all about it and was upset. And Abraham Lincoln said, well, you need to write a letter to him. So he did. He went to his office and man, he wrote this very strong letter to this guy. Well, then he brought it back to Lincoln and gave it, let him see it. He read the letter and he said, so what are you going to do with this letter? He said, well, send it, of course. And Lincoln started shaking his head, and he said, I wouldn't send it. He said, well, what do you mean, don't send the letter? He said, no, this letter belongs in the stove because it's accomplished its purpose. He goes, what do you mean? He said, he said did you feel better when you wrote the letter? Did you get out everything you wanted to get out on the letter? And he said, I did. And he said, then do the right thing and put it in the stove. Burn the letter. So how many letters are out there in our life? Maybe, maybe you've been holding on to something and you need to write the letter and you need to do what Lincoln said. You need to take that letter and throw it in the stove and burn it. Release it. Let it go. Get it out on paper and then burn it. This is something the Lincoln practiced. Later on, they found in Lincoln's desk after he died, letters, a letter that he had written. Very same letter during the Gettysburg. He was really upset at one of his generals. And he wrote this letter, but he never sent it to him. <laughs> Sitting in his desk. <laughs> so, but you may not want to keep them in your desk if people go through your desk, okay? Just saying. So, but maybe that's you, you know? Maybe it's time to release and let go. See, there's two extremes. There's those, when they get angry, they clam up. They hold it all inside. There's others, the second type of person is the person that does what? He blows up. So the first one's like a turtle. You know, the turtle, whenever a turtle gets scared, what's it do? It sucks everything on the inside, man. Pulls it all in, and you can't even see. I remember one time Becca, our dog, got, got a hold of our turtle. And uh, we, had this, we had this large, uh, what kind of dog was he? Airedale Terrier. So, I mean, he was about, you know, his head was the height of my hand. He was a big dog. Anyway, and we had this little turtle named Petey. And wasn't it? Speedy. Oh, okay. I thought, I couldn't remember his name. So Speedy, <laughs> anyway, and so Speedy was in, Becca brought Speedy down to show him to somebody, and Reese knocked her hand with his nose and just got that turtle to go up enough where then he went, oh, and I mean, he grabbed this turtle, and it was halfway down his throat. Well, by then, I grabbed the dog, and I said, Reese, no, and I pulled his mouth open, and Speedy fell out on the floor. And so I picked Speedy up, and I was holding Speedy like this. And Becca started crying because what did he do? He sucked everything in. And so Becca said, he's eating his arms and his legs and his head. <laughs> Speedy, wasn't that true? True story. All right. So there's the turtle. So the person that blows up, what, the, what animal does that remind you of? The skunk. Man, sprays, spews over everything right and here's the problem with that is it leaves a lasting effect we had a friend that asked us to come and preach here in arkansas 
and in Green Forest. And so we, you know, we were going to preach there this one weekend, and we were staying at, this, at their house. And we were in the living room the night before, and we're talking. And I was noticing where he lived was up on a mountain. And man, it was beautiful. You just look out their front uh, of, their, of their home, and I mean, you saw these hills and these mountains and all these trees. It was just gorgeous. And, but I, the other thing I noticed was there was a lot of livestock, a lot of wildlife, you know. And so he was talking about all the different wildlife that they've experienced there on the farm. And, and I said, well, have you had a problem? Have you ever had a problem with a skunk? And he goes, well, let me tell you. He said, one time a skunk got in our crawl space under our home. He said, and it got up underneath there, and we were trying to find, figure a way to get him out, and he got scared, and he sprayed. Well, man, it came up through the vents. He said, you could almost taste it. He said, it was so bad. <laughs> and, and so... I said, well, what did you do, you know, and he started talking about the tomato baths that they took, you know, and all the different things that they did to try to get that smell gone. Well, more than a month, this guy was a CPA, so he, he officed in Branson, and in their office, in his office, you know, he'd be, he'd be in there, and he said, for more than a month, the other guys that I would work with, he said, they would walk by my office, and they either hold their nose or they would pour, pull my door closed, you know. To, woo. So he, more than a month it took to wear off. So anyway, don't let the skunk get to you. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29 says this. A wise man controls his temper. What kind of a man? A wise man. He knows that anger causes mistakes. Benjamin Franklin said this, he said, whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. But let me tell you, if you can manage your anger, you can have a good outcome, if you can manage it. So I want to talk about some ways how you can tame your temper so that you can become more easygoing. How many of you want to become more easygoing? Yeah, okay, so that's me. So all of us, all of us, we're going to become more easygoing. The rest of you? This will just be information for you. No, I'm sorry. So let's talk about that. The first thing is this. Quietly hold it back. Whenever your chain gets pulled, whenever something happens that gives you an opportunity to be easily angered, quietly hold it back. Well, where do you get that from, Pastor Phil? I'm glad you asked. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. In the NLT, it says, a fool, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. What does the wise person do? Quietly holds it back. Hmm. Do I need to say it one more time? Make sure we get it three times as a charm. Some people are saying, no, no, no. Quietly hold it back. Some people say, well, I can't control it. Pastor Bill, you just don't understand. I'm Italian. It's in me. It just comes out of me. You know, well, oftentimes we, we have a tendency to blame things on our past, where we've come from, you know, and really what we're doing is we're enabling the ability to get upset and be able to exercise our, our right to get angry, right? But no one can make you mad without your permission. Did you know that? You can control it. You say, well, how in the world can I control it? Can I tell you? Let me tell you. Think about this. Let's say you have a husband and wife, and man, they are angry at each other. And they start the yelling match. And they're yelling back and forth. And there's all this fighting going on. And then 
a miracle happens. The telephone rings. What happens when the telephone rings? They stop fighting. You pick up the phone and you go, hello? What's happened? You've just controlled your anger, right? Because you don't want the person on the end of the phone to know <laughs> that you've been exercising your right to be angry, right? So you can change it if you want to. You absolutely can. But here's what you have to do. You have to make that decision beforehand. You have to resolve in your heart. I'm, no, I'm going to manage anger. I'm not going to allow anger to have its way in my life, right? And that's what resolve means. It means to make the decision beforehand because you don't need to be making that kind of decision in the heat of the moment. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You're already in, you know? But beforehand and right now, we can make that decision now. You know what, God? I'm not allowing anger to have its way in my life anymore. You can do it. You can do it. If I can stop drinking coffee for three days, believe me, you can control your, right? Okay, number two, count the cost. Number two is count the cost. See, when you remember the cost of uncontrolled anger, it's easier for you to manage it, isn't it? So, and there's, what, there's a price tag for anger. There's a price tag out there. And we've seen it. We've seen how it's affected people's lives. Proverbs 29, 22 says this. A hot-tempered man starts fights and gets all into all kinds of trouble. Wow. You guys remember John D. Rockefeller? He, he ran a company called uh, the Standard Oil Company. And one time there was a man that made a terrible mistake. And back in Rolf Rockefeller's time, $2 million was... That was a whole, whole lot of money uh, back in that day and time. Well, this employee, this executive had made uh, a terrible mistake, and it was a $2 million mistake. Well, Rockefeller was scheduled to come to the building that day, and so all of the executives were finding other places that they could be because <laughs> they didn't want to be there when the wrath of Rockefeller came into the building, except one man who had a scheduled meeting with him, and he kept his meeting. And so at the right time, at the time of their meeting, he came to Rockefeller's office and he stepped in there. And as he was standing there, uh, John didn't even, rec didn't even acknowledge that he was in the room. And, and John had a pencil and a pad and he was scribbling down a bunch of things. And finally he looked up and he saw this man was in his office and he said, oh, hey there. He said, wow, that was quite a mistake that we had this week. And he said, you know, before we bring that guy in to talk to him about the mistake, he said, you know what I've been doing here on my pad is, is I've been going back and I've been looking at his, uh, <clears throat> his character. And I've been looking at all the things that he's done right. Do you know that there's been three different times that he has, his idea that he brought to the table made this company a whole lot more money than the mistake that he's made? He said, I think we need to consider this before we bring any punishment to this man. That we need to recognize what he's done for the company. I heard another story that was very similar. It was IBM. And one of their executives made a $600,000 mistake. And the news found out about it. And, of course, they were reporting it. You know? And so they asked the CEO, they said, so are you going to fire this guy for a $600,000 mistake? And he goes, no, I'm not going to fire him. He said, I just spent $600,000 training him. Okay, well, that means... 
So maybe. <laughs> Proverbs 11, 29 says this. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Wow, that's a powerful scripture. Let me read it again. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Man, you will always lose when you lose your temper. You may lose a job, a sale, a family member, your health. There's a lot of things that we can lose. Think about Saul. Remember Saul? He got angry when they sang the song about David. They said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. And Saul got mad at that. And the day that he got mad at that was the day that he lost his relationship with David. Think about it. He was so angry with him all the time. And then, you know what that anger produced in him? Suspicion. He was suspicious of David from that day forward. How did suspicion become a part of it? He wasn't suspicious of him before. It wasn't until he got angry with him. And man, when he got angry, he was whipping spears at him. Aren't you glad your friends don't carry spears today? Well, listen to this. This is a very powerful statement. Parents learn to use anger to intimidate their kids to get them to obey them. Wow. And you know what happens is it works for the short term, but it has long-lasting, dangerous effects on the child. Why? Because you're alienating them from you. I mean, how many of you want to hang out with a person that gets angry all the time? Why not? Because they're not happy. Because you never know when you're going to be the next victim. Right? So number two was count the cost. Number three is reflect before you react. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says this, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Man, think before you speak. Mobilize your mind before you mobilize your mouth. Amen? You know, I heard this, <laughs> heard this about this little kid that said to his mommy, he said, Mommy, how come none of the idiots are out when you drive? It's only when Dad drives. wonder why anger is controlled largely by the mouth controlling your anger is controlling your tongue you don't have to say something right away do you i remember we were counseling a couple one time nicole and i and man they were it was a husband and wife and they were so sharp with each other i mean just boom boom they didn't they never missed an opportunity to just blast one another and and i remember um the wife in particular at one point was just saying, I mean, if it popped in there, she was saying it. I mean, it was bam, 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 bam. She was like a machine gun, man. I mean, she was just, you know, it was like, whoa, Gatlin gun, you know, just cutting them, cutting them up. And I just went, I said, you know, you don't have to say everything that pops in your mind. You can, you have the right to remain silent, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you do. And isn't that good news for us? We had the right to remain silent, to allow God to minister to us before we say something that we wish we hadn't have said and then that arrow is out there and we can't take that arrow back because once it leaves you can't go back and get it can you hmm so if you don't watch your words 
you're going to get to watch your anger. Wow. Proverbs 29, verse 11 says this. Stupid people, okay, this is the good news translation. Stupid people express their anger openly, but sensible people are patient and hold it back. This is the Bible version of relax. <laughs> the Bible version of chill out. It's all right, man. Just, just cool off. Be easy going. Man, one of the greatest tools in managing your anger is delayed response. There were times because I, both Nicole and I were determined because we, we, we applied the love rod to our kids when, when it was appropriate. We called it the love rod. Some people call it spanking. Some people call it a beating. <laughs> some, some people call it, well, and maybe at times that, that's a fair statement, but you know, the appropriate way, the way God instructed us to correct our children was with the love rod and you apply it to the backside only but you don't do it in anger. And so there were times for me that, that my kids, I know they look perfect now, but believe me, that was a long work in the process, okay? <laughs> Took a lot of work to get a, <laughs> make that happen. <laughs> but I remember times when they did things and I was like, oh, God. You know, because now I got to, deal with it and there but there were times when I, I was angry at the moment and and I knew that the love rod was coming but I said listen I need you to go to your room and I need you to allow daddy time to calm down and so I just let him sit in a room and I'd go to my room and I would I'd walk back and forth and pray until I was over it until the anger had left and then once the anger had left now I can appropriately come into the room and I can correct them in love. And, and those of you that are parents, let me give you another tip. Uh, I would read the scripture to them. Both Nicole and I would read the scripture to them. This is what the Bible says. And we would tell them why we're getting ready to do it. And so that's just a tip. There was no extra charge for that, okay, guys? All right, so now 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, in closing. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. The B part of that says, For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What does that mean? This is temporary. This anger is just for a moment. It's going to be over soon. If you would stop and digest it and, and let, allow the Holy Spirit to filter it through the lens of the Holy Spirit, you would begin to see what's going on. God would begin to open your eyes and you may even see, man, they're really going through something right now. They're hurt. Because what do hurting people do? They hurt other people. So sometimes they may not just be lashing out at you. They may be going through something. Or it may be something that you did wrong. It may be something that they perceived that you did wrong, that you didn't do wrong. Either way, what Nicole and I learned growing up when we were in Bible school was whether you're right or whether you're wrong, always be willing to apologize. Why? Because the restoration of this relationship is more important than the anger that I'm feeling because of it or the anger that they're feeling. Help them get past their anger. Man, because when you humble yourself, what does the Bible say? It says a soft answer 
turns away wrath. Man, when somebody's fired up and they come running in, it's not time for you to put up your fists, put your gloves on and go 15 rounds with them. It's time for you to figure out how can I respond in love? How can I respond with a soft answer? In order to do that, you got to have meekness on the inside of you. Listen to this scripture, Matthew 5, 5. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do you know what that word meek means? In the 1828 dictionary by Webster's, it means mild of temper, not easily provoked or irritated. That's meek. Meekness is not weakness. It takes more strength to be meek. Why? Because somebody slaps you on the face, you're, you're not going to slap them back. Why? Because I'm going to respond in meekness. If somebody comes and they throw up on me, their problems with me, hey, listen, I'm not talking to you from somebody that doesn't, hasn't had these experiences. I remember one time we were, uh, we were in a particular city and somebody had amassed a list about Nicole and I. They had written down everything wrong that we had done. And it was, it was a legal pad. I got concerned. I said, man, they got up into the double digits on this. I mean, <laughs> dear Lord, how much stuff have we done wrong? And so I got to sit down with our leader and sit down with them and let them go through each item on the list. Now let me tell you, did I want to respond in the flesh? Absolutely. I mean, they didn't even have to get to number three, and I was ready to respond in the flesh. I was loading my gun behind my back. Man, you guys know what I mean. I mean, you're loading up, getting ready. What can I say about them? But you know what? The more time went by, the more they went down their list, and the longer we were quiet and sat there and just humbled ourselves, I began to realize the pain and the hurt inside of them and began to realize it really wasn't about this list. And, and when it was all over, our leader reaffirmed us. And I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to defend our, myself. And do you know God brought healing to that situation? And sometimes people are going to lash out at you. The best response is not to lash back. You're not going to convince them. You're not going to help them by lashing back. But what if you respond in love with a soft answer? They get angry with you. You don't get angry in return. Let me tell you why. Why am I telling you all this? Because nothing destroys relationships as much as anger. Anger will destroy your relationships with other people. It will. But today, we can decide, you know what? I'm going to be happy. I choose to be happy. And I choose that no matter what is going through, going on with them, and no matter the hurt, the pain, the suffering that they're going through, I'm not going to respond the same way. I'm not going to allow that to make me easily angry. I want to pray for you this morning. Because I feel like there's some people here that maybe you've lost some relationships through this. 
because of, of you've had explosive moments. Maybe you have days. Uh, maybe you've been kind of like a roller coaster. Remember in Tulsa, they used to have that roller coaster Zingo? And all Zingo did was it went up and down, up and down. No, this is before Curly Q's. It had a little tunnel that you went through, but it just went up and down, up and down. And maybe that's the way you've been emotionally. Maybe you've been feeling good one day, excited about life, and then, man, the next day, I'm just not feeling it. And then you're easily irritated over the dumbest things. And then you think to yourself, man, why did I get upset at this? God can help you manage that. He can help you quietly hold on to it so you're not throwing it back the other direction. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads all around the room? Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.